This is the Puppy Training Podcast, episode number 40. When am I ever going to use this? This podcast is designed to help you on your journey of becoming best friends through love and learning as you train your own dog from home. And I'm here to help you every step of the way. This is the Puppy Training Podcast, and I'm your host, Amy Jensen. Hey, everyone. How was your weekend? back at it. It's a Monday. I have to tell you, I love doing the podcast. I've come to the point where I get so much feedback from you guys that you honestly feel like family and it's fun to uh, sit down and chat with you on Mondays. So I've been thinking a lot about what to share with you today and this topic of when am I ever going to use this popped into my brain. I used to be a math teacher. That's my uh, educational background from uh, many years ago. When I went to college, I decided to study mathematics education, and I taught middle school and high school for several years before deciding to stay home with my kids. And as a math teacher, that's a question I got a lot. Of course, I gave them a wonderful answer, and part of that just includes, even if you're not going to use it, say, in your profession, if anything, I'm teaching you how to problem solve, which everybody needs. Now, when it comes to dog training, this question also applies. When am I ever going to use this? But maybe in just a little bit of a different way. Our program, the Online Puppy School, teaches you a lot of really cool things that you can train your dog to do. But if we never practice these things that we train our dog to do, if we don't incorporate these things into our everyday life, then really, honestly, when are we ever going to use this? And why are we teaching our dogs to do this? So I have a challenge for you this week. I want you to be able to say, I use this all the time. Your goal is to take what your dog knows and use it throughout the day, not just in focused training sessions, but when you're doing things that just are everyday tasks. So today I just want to share a few ideas with you. This is going to be a little bit of a shorter podcast, but a really great one with some good ideas because I want this training to carry over into everyday life. I want you to apply what your dog is learning and make it beneficial for you and your dog. It's not just about training the dog or giving him a a structured schedule or things to do every day. It's really about making your lives mesh together and behaviors that we're training, getting good behavior from your dog because he knows how to do these things. We just simply have to practice them and apply them to everyday situations. All right. So I have four behaviors that we're going to go through. We're going to go through a sit stay, a down stay, a go to bed and a jump on. And I'm going to give you just a few ideas with each of these different behaviors, some of the everyday tasks and activities that you can accomplish simply by having your dog do these behaviors. So as we go through these, I want you to think what unwanted behaviors will automatically be eliminated. I think you'll be surprised. And we're only focusing on four behaviors today. This could apply to any of the lessons that we teach in the puppy prep, um, our online puppy school. There's five units of study there. There's lots of behaviors your puppy's going to be learning. I'm going to pull out four today and just show you the benefits. All right, so here we go. We're going to start with sit, stay. Let's say that you're going about your day and you are need to tie your shoes. Let's put your dog in a sit stay before you tie your shoes. What will this eliminate? This eliminates jumping on you. This eliminates eating your shoelaces or trying to play with them. Also biting at your feet or your ankles or trying to get your socks. So simply just put your dog in a sit stay. You can tie your shoes in peace. Another task, we do it several times a day, hopefully brushing our teeth. That's a great opportunity to put your puppy in a sit stay. What does that prevent while you're trying to brush your teeth? 
It prevents your puppy from trying to get into the toilet paper roll or any other items that are lying around your bathroom that look fun and engaging for the puppy. That's a great way to practice a sit stay simply because it's a short what, two to three minutes that we're brushing our teeth. So that's very doable for a young puppy to be able to hold a sit stay. Now, obviously you're going to have to train that in the beginning. It's literally a one second stay, right? You guys, some of you with brand new puppies are like, oh yeah, that's where we're at. We're at the one second stay. That's okay. That one second turns into two seconds, two turns into five, five turns into 10. Once you get a nice 20 second stay, you can go to our unit four lesson on adding the four D's and add in all of the distractions and durations and difficulty. Once you can do that and your puppy can stay for several minutes at a time, brushing your teeth is a great time to practice that. Let's say it's lunchtime and you're hungry. You wanna make a sandwich. Put your puppy in a sit-stay. Making a sandwich again is not a long activity. It's probably a five-minute activity. That's a great time to practice a sit-stay. Most dogs can sit in that position for about five minutes. So pull out the bread, pull out the cheese, pull out the meats and the sauces, make yourself a sandwich and let your puppy practice a sit stay at the same time. What does this prevent? This is going to prevent things like counter surfing your puppy, you know, putting his paws up on the table to see what you've pulled out. Maybe he wants to get into that cheese and that meat because it smells so yummy by having your puppy practice a sit stay while you're making a sandwich. It's a good practice for him and it prevents things like counter surfing. All right, little tasks, like when you're ready to leave and you wanna grab a jacket and grab your keys. That's a great time again to practice those sit stays because it's a short time. It doesn't take long to grab our coat and grab our keys and start to head out the door. So in that moment where you want to just kind of gather your things before you leave, put your puppy in a sit stay. What does this prevent or how does this help? This would prevent your puppy running off. Maybe you're distracted by getting your things and your puppy is like, hey, she's not watching. I can run in the other room and pee in a corner or I can run in the other room and steal a sock or something that's on the floor. So again, these little moments, sit stays are fabulous for that. Anytime you're gonna do a task that doesn't take very long, I would say under five minutes. Think of how you can practice these sit stays throughout your day. Another final one for sit stay would be maybe somebody's dropped off a package on your front door. So the UPS man or the FedEx guy came, dropped something on your front porch. You need to go pick up that package. That's a great time to put your puppy in a sit stay while you open the door, get the package and come back inside. That's even doable for brand new puppies because their stays are very short. Like we mentioned, maybe you have a 10 second, 20 second stay. Most of us can open a door, grab a package, and be back inside within 20 seconds. All right, so challenge number one, practice sit stays. Find little times during the day when you're not going to be doing something for very long. The duration is very short, but you can practice those sit stays. And look at all of those benefits that we went through in just a few minutes. You know, the jumping, eating your shoelaces, biting your ankles, getting into things in the bathroom, counter surfing, running out of doorways. Uh, just darting off, things like that, sit stays, solve all of those things. Okay, let's move on to a downstay. So when might I have my puppy practice a downstay versus a sit stay? Anytime the duration is going to be a little bit longer. Dogs just naturally hold their downs better than say a, a sit. It's more comfortable for them. So things like maybe you want to sit down after work and watch a show. Like an episode, what, 20, 30 minutes? Some of us, if we record them and we don't have to watch the commercials, they go through, you know, a show is 20 minutes long, a little episode. So that would be a great time to practice a downstay. And I would bring some treats with me and I would just drop them in between the front paws of my puppy while he's staying in that nice position that I'm wanting. And I would vary that. I'd mix that up maybe every few seconds, every few minutes, depending on your puppy's ability, but just keep him in that nice downstay by occasionally just dropping a reward. 
uh, typing emails. Let's say you have to get some work done. A down stay would be preferable for this activity, but I would practice my, you know, getting my puppy into a down and asking him to stay. I would type an email after that email's over. Maybe I release him. We get up, we play fetch, we play tug, you know, let him run around a little bit. And then we go back into another down stay for the next email that not only keeps it fun for our puppy, it also keeps that duration doable as we work to build it up to longer and longer, you know, so say you have a brand new puppy and maybe he can do a downstay for one email, then you can work up to the point where he, maybe he can stay in a downstay for five emails or six emails, and then you get him up to play and reward him. So a couple things about that rewards don't always have to be food. I do heavily use food that first year, especially because it is so motivating for dogs. And again, to keep that uh, you know, you keep your puppy in a nice downstay, feel free to just drop a little piece of food in between his front paws. It's going to keep him there longer. Just be sure that you mix up those intervals of how often you're dropping those treats. Otherwise our puppies are super smart and they figure out our game. And if they know when to expect the next treat, they might start to goof off a little bit in between. They're pretty smart. We know that. All right. How about cooking a meal? That's a great time to practice a downstay. It takes a little bit longer. I wouldn't necessarily expect my puppy to stay in a sit stay while I cooked a meal, but for 20, 30 minutes while I'm cooking dinner or prepping dinner, a downstay is very doable. So brand new puppies again, very short. So maybe you do something like I'm going to chop up this onion while my puppy's in a downstay and then you release him. Like we talked about with the emails, you get him up, engage him in some tug or a little bit of fetch. And then we put him back in a downstay. We chop up the tomato, um, things like that. So be creative. But think of all of the things that you're preventing by using these downstays. By having our puppy right by us, we can see what he's doing. We know he's not wandering around the house, getting into trouble. He's also not having to be in his crate. A lot of us work during the day, so our puppies already spent time in the crate, most likely. When we get home, they want to be out. They want to be with us. Why not put him in a downstay while you prep dinner? It allows them to be out and about by you, but he's also thinking about something. He's doing some mental exercise by staying in that uh, position. Okay. Another one for the downstay would be helping kids with homework. Let's say somebody comes home, they need some math help, or they need some English help, or they need you to just sit down and focus on them for a minute. Again, put that puppy in a downstay right by you. That kid adds a distraction. It adds a little bit of difficulty to that behavior. It raises the level of your puppy's ability to stay in a down. And so yeah, practice when there's distractions around and different things going on. This is really good for them because they know when you're not focusing or paying attention to them. So a lot of times if you're, let's say you're sitting down with your child to help them with homework and your puppy is like, oh, she's not watching me, they might pop up. So this is a good time to remind them that even if I'm not looking at you, puppy, even if I'm not focused on you, I still want you to remain in a down. So things like this, incorporating it into our everyday life really helps proof these behaviors so that our puppy can also generalize them and understand, oh, downstay is a downstay, even if she's not looking at me, or even if she's talking to someone else. These are all really helpful things for our dog. The third one is go to bed. This is one of my favorites. In fact, in puppy prep, the online puppy school, I have it labeled as this is my favorite. <laughs> I teach this to every puppy I train and I make it a point to help families train this behavior with their dogs. Number one, it just helps train that nice calm puppy that so many of us desire. And it also gives our puppy a very structured thing to do when say guests come over or we are doing some tempting things like cooking meals. It gives them a nice, obvious place to remain. 
Anyway, you can go check that lesson out, but it is one of my favorites. Make sure that you do this with your puppies, but think of the things that we could possibly use this for on an everyday basis. So when guests come over, as I mentioned, that's a time when our puppies are most likely excitable. They hear the doorbell or the knock and they're anticipating who's behind it. It's someone new for the day that they haven't smelled yet. So generally that excitement levels up. Also, if you have a family and have children running around your house, when that doorbell goes off, what happens, right? The knock or the doorbell and there's a rushing to the door, which just kind of naturally teaches our puppy to be excited about this event. <laughs> I did spend a lot of time with puppies. I train knocking on walls and playing doorbell sounds from my phone to try to desensitize them to the excitement that's oftentimes incorporated with this event. But yeah, when guests arrive, that go to bed behavior is very, very useful. It prevents our puppy from running up to the guests and jumping on them. Instead, they're on a go to bed behavior where they stay on the mat until released. It's a lot like a stay, but it's a little more flexible. They can stand up and turn around and readjust themselves. So it's a little bit more of a relaxed uh, position because a stay is you're literally a statue, don't move. The other times that I use go to bed would be, let's say I have friends over and we're gonna play a game, some cards or other game that might take an hour or so. I can bring my puppy's bed over by us and um, you know, have him lie down on the bed and stay there until released. Or you could leave that bed in another room. It doesn't have to be right by you, but a lot of times our dogs do want to be with us and they want to be right by us. So why not let them be by us, but giving them a nice behavior to do where they are to remain on that mat prevents them from bothering our guests as we play a game uh, during meal times, as we talked about. So prepping the meal, you could also use a go to bed. I feel like downstay and go to bed. I incorporate a lot interchangeably. Uh, if I'm wanting my dog to have more freedom, it's the go to bed behavior. If it's not going to be for too long, or um, maybe I'm somewhere where I don't have access to a good spot to use a go-to-bed, then I would use a downstay. So I do use both of those a lot, I would say. Uh, but the go-to-bed is nice because it is a little bit more flexible for your dog. He can, again, move around a little bit. So yeah, meal times. Maybe when you're eating that meal, instead of putting your dog in a crate or tethering him somewhere, he can go lie down on his bed watching a movie. So movies are a little bit longer than shows. Movies might last an hour and a half or two hours. And we might want our puppy to be able to stand up and move around a little bit and readjust himself. So go to bed during a movie is a great time to practice that behavior. Now think of all of the things again, that your puppy can't be doing if he's on the bed, if he's cued to go to bed and he can't get off until you release him, then think of all of the things that you're preventing in the meantime. Okay. Very lastly, we're going to talk about jump on. So this is kind of a funny one to throw in, but I thought I would just throw in a random one. Let's really dissect it and see really what can I get my puppy to do if I ask him to jump on and then what kinds of things are we preventing? So number one, getting on furniture. I can say puppy jump on and then he knows that he's allowed to get on the furniture. By putting the jump on behavior on cue, it helps us train our puppy when he can or cannot get on the couch. Maybe there's times we want him on there and maybe there's times that we don't want him on there. So just putting it on cue, maybe we say jump on or whatever you want to call it is very helpful. Uh, let's say you need to groom your puppy and you'd like him to get up on the grooming table. Some of us have very large puppies that weigh a lot, right? So picking them up is not necessarily always an option. We need them to be able to get places on their own. So jump on is very effective, especially if you have that larger breed puppy, who's going to be pretty heavy. You could have a little step stool that he can step on to get up onto that grooming table, but that saves you from having to actually physically lift him up onto that table. 
getting into a vehicle. Now you can say jump on, or I use the term load up as well. You can call it whatever you'd like, but again, putting that behavior on cue where we want our dog to jump up into the car is very useful, especially again, for those of you who have bigger dogs, but think of all of the nice things that just be able, being able to say that to your dog, he understands what it means. And then he does a lot of these things on his own instead of you having to physically maneuver him or get into any kind of power struggle or battle with him. I like to prevent as much of that as possible in all of puppy training. We try to be very force-free, let the dog do it on their own and make their own choice to do that using the motivation and the rewards, you know, paying them for good behavior type of thing. It's just a much nicer way to train. And I enjoy the relationship I have with my dog because of it. So jump on is really useful because you're teaching your dog how to maneuver himself and what you're wanting him to do, but you're doing it with just a few words. And then he understands, oh yeah, she wants me to move here or do this kind of thing. So that's very useful. Uh, let's say you go to the vet and it's time to be examined and he needs to get up on the counter. Again, you could cue him to jump on and he can do it on his own. That gives the dog choice. That gives the dog freedom to, you know, do this on his own without being maneuvered around by someone else. That's it. You guys, there's many more. I'm sure if you go through the things that your dog knows, that you'll be able to identify times on a daily basis when it would be very useful. And I encourage you to practice all of the behaviors that your dog knows on a daily basis, but not just in a specified training session. Let's break that mold. Let's start training our dogs and incorporating these behaviors into everyday life and really practicing them at times when they would be most useful, both to us and to our dogs. All right, happy training. Have a wonderful week and I'll talk to you next week. If you have a question about anything you heard on this podcast or any other puppy training question, visit my site, baxterandbella.com to contact me.